It's great to be all here together. I want to say hello to all of you at, at home um, and also to everyone outside. Just we, um, I, I want you to hear from me that we, we know um, this is a hard time. We see you. And uh, if you're in any way feeling like you have a need of any kind, if it's connection, conversation, um, help with anything, any kind of tangible thing, um, please email that, that email that um, Sarah said earlier, Tucson uh, at redemptionaz.com, and we would love to get back with you and, and help and just come alongside you. And I also want to make sure that all of you know that we um, are working on a plan for Christmas Eve. And it's going to be, even though right now COVID numbers are on an uptick, um, we're actually working with Mission Church to come up with a creative idea that will hopefully um, just be something that will be safe um, no matter where things are at and that will be a way for us to um, celebrate in some way. So I don't have all the details lined up yet, so I don't want to overpromise under deliver. So next week um, we will let you know. So again, check your email and we'll let you know all those details then. Um, also, I think I forgot to introduce, introduce myself. My name is Dave. Um, I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson. And uh, if you're new here or, or you've never heard me preach before, I want to let you know I have a stutter. It'll kind of come in and out as, um, as I go. Um, and I also want to now introduce um, a family I'm really excited to hear from to help us lead through this Advent time. So we all join me in welcoming up the Carlson family. All right. Well, hey, guys. It's great to have you here and to see you guys. Um, all of you will... Nope, that's on mute. Let me do this. Um, there you go. Thanks. I got you. Yes. Kids these days, they don't know how to use technology, <laughs> right? Um, well, um, uh, yeah, would you guys go ahead and just introduce yourselves, your family to us, and also share with us um, as we look ahead this week to this Advent candle that is peace. We talked about hope last week, and as we talk about peace, share with us what, what peace has meant and lo look like. Yeah. My name is Jack. This is Izzy and Penelope. And yeah, and thinking about peace, I thought back to a conversation I had over Thanksgiving uh, that reminded me of a passage in Philippians 4 where Paul talks about learning to be content in every situation um, and hunger and much, like learning the secret that was Christ gives him strength. Um, and for me, I think peace and contentment overlap a lot. Uh, we moved to Tucson in March and got a new job. Um, <laughs> yeah, I entered back into old community, but it's been new for Izzy, and there's just been a lot of transition, and I think for me, I felt more responsibility than I ever have to provide for a new family and mm. put a lot of pressure on myself with work and just future hopes, and um, yeah, in that, like, experienced bodily anxiety for the first time, like, over a couple days, and I think as I unpacked that more, and Izzy encouraged me to unpack it, um, I realized I was kind of forgetting who our true provider was, mm. and that, yeah, he, he's the one who's given us every good thing thus far in Tucson. Wow. I think my tendency uh, in struggle or anxiety is to go to distraction, like my phone, or just escape and ignore hard emotions. And I was reminded recently that those were the same temptations Jesus had on the cross of mm. distraction through wine on a sponge and numbing pain or 
being told, you're the son of God, come down. And he resisted both of those things. Um, so I think, yeah, like he's the prince of peace. He, he came in this season and he promised that he'd be with us to the end of the age. So that's where I've been finding peace lately. And as you'll share quickly now. Mm. <laughs> yeah, pass the baby. <laughs> um, earlier this year when I was around 30 weeks pregnant with Penelope, I hit my stomach and we went to the ER. Um, long story short, I was having regular contractions and it was two centimeters dilated. Mm. Um, doctors said I was at risk for preterm labor and I was put on bed rest for the rest of the pregnancy. You can imagine how scared we were and how unprepared we were. We had just moved to Tucson from Portland. We didn't have a place to live yet. Like we were just living with some friends, um, nor did we have many baby things like a crib or a car seat. Um, so my mind was filled with fear and anxiety. I was afraid that she would be born prematurely and not be fully developed. I read like three different pregnancy books during this time. I probably Googled almost every week the survival rate of a baby at 31 weeks, 32 weeks, and so on. Mm. Um, I spent so much time just researching everything I can about premature labor, all in the hopes that I would ha have peace in it, that it would take away my fear and help me be okay with what happens. But to be honest, it didn't. The only place I found peace was when I remembered that God is sovereign and he is good. That even if she was born prematurely and not fully developed, he's still good. And even if she didn't survive, he's still good. He alone is our peace and reassurance. He knows all things. Romans 8 says that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Mm -hmm. And so it was he who helped us in that season and gave us peace amidst fear and anxiety. And obviously, Penelope's here today. Mm. She was born at 39 weeks and almost nine pounds <laughs> and incredibly healthy. <laughs> yes. So we praise God for that. Um, and I'll light the candle now. Yeah. Amen. Praise God. Yeah. Thank you guys for, for okay. sharing that. Um, yes. And as you see, you are handling your responsibilities there well. <laughs> um, teamwork. Yeah. A teamwork, lot teamwork makes the dream work. All right. <laughs> Well, yeah, thank you guys for, for sharing just so honestly with us. And we love, love you. Some of you um, knew Jack perhaps before, like when we even first started as a church. Um, Jack was there as a college student, and it's been so fun to have you guys back here in Tucson. And um, well, will you go ahead and r read the scripture as we get into our time um, this mo morning or, and evening. And I want to ask all of you to stand now as we do every week. When we r read God's word, we stand out of awe and re re reverence. I'll be reading John 18, verse 36. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might, might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. All right. Thank you, Izzy. Yeah, let, let's go ahead and um, just thank them again. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, thank you guys just for sharing. It's been so good and just, I think, shaping for us, especially in this season, to hear from different, different people, um, hear about just our, our need and God's provision. And so again, um, each week in this season of, of uh, Advent, we will look at the different candles. We will be reminded of the hope that we have in Christ and, and, the, and the peace we have in Him. And I'm um, excited to also walk through this Advent season um, all of us together. So um, Advent, that word Advent, as we talked about last week, means expected arrival. 
And um, we remember the anticipated or expected arrival of Jesus when we look back to his first coming. And then also, as the church has historically done in this season, we're shaped by looking ahead and anticipating his promised second coming, which again, we even talked about some last week, perhaps last year, perhaps uh, in February, it was like, ah, does he really need to come back? Are things that bad? Um, For some of us, we've had different opportunities in life to be like, oh no, you know, things aren't that bad. Um, And then obviously in different seasons, I think we all can, um, you know, come around or join and say, man, things are not the way they should be. And, um, And my hope is that in this series we're in that will be shaped in joining and participating and crying out your kingdom come. And that's our, our theme that we're in and, and throughout these next few weeks. And we talked about last week, your kingdom come, it's near. And then this week we're talking about your kingdom come, it's his. And on that note, I just want to give some, uh, give some props where they're due. If you guys have seen that um, chalk sign up there, that's um, uh, Cody Bayer um, did that. She drew the whole thing up and put it all together. I didn't even know that she had that kind of artistic uh, skill. So yeah, I just want to give her a, a, sh- a shout out and a uh, th- thank you for that. And um, also, yeah, she's set all of these things up for us. And, and now, um, church, as we press in, um, I just want to tell you, as I've prepared this week, I really hope we get this. When we talk about the kingdom being Jesus's, belonging to Jesus, as I've, again, prepared and, and prayed for us as a, as a church, I, um, I feel deeply in my, in my gut that we need this. We need this reminder that, that the kingdom is his because our propensity is to make it all about us. Our tendency, our propensity is to want to shoehorn Jesus into our kingdoms. And if we're um, honest with our, ourselves, we sometimes even kind of trick ourselves into thinking, oh yeah, I'm all about Jesus. My life, all of life is all for Jesus, right? As someone once said. And, um, and, and yet um, when we pause and we look, it's like, actually, if you docked, I don't know, like me, you get like an update on how much time you spent in certain things on screens and different, different places you've gone. And a lot of it just reminds me, man, my world really revolves around me. And, and it's all about me. And, and yet, the good news of, of Jesus is that, is that through him, through, through faith and trust in him, he and he alone brings peace. And he has a kingdom. That language of kingdom is not one that we're really used to using a lot in our world, but it's essentially understood as, as, as the whole um, operating system, how things work, the economies of power, of 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 pleasure, of joy, of delight, of security, of hope, of peace, of joy, of love, all these different things is, is the way those things come about. And Jesus says, listen, there are all these other kingdoms that will promise you how to find those things, but, but my kingdom is altogether set apart. And so the way we're going to walk through this time is we're going to look at Jesus's kingdom, and we're going to see that his kingdom is different. And his kingdom is good. And his kingdom is forever. And his kingdom is for you. Okay, so with that, let's go ahead and pray as we get into our time. Heavenly Father, we long for you. 
to uh, do a work that we can't do in and of ourselves. Um, Lord, we do cry out and join in Jesus's words your, that he called us to pray. He said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed or blessed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, I, I pray that we will see through your Holy Spirit, through your word, that your kingdom is where our needs are met. Lord, that your kingdom and your kingdom alone is sufficient, is lasting, is eternal, is, is good. And Lord, I pray that you will help it really just hit um, kind of, Lord, on a very practical ground level for all of us as individuals and as a church. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Christmas, like 1989, is uh, one I remember pretty well. And um, it's because I got a Christmas gift that at first I was really disappointed in. I, I came out, and I don't know about you guys, but the way it worked in our house, um, my mom's room was on one end of the house, and then all the br brothers and myself were on the other side. And um, we had a time that we weren't allowed, and we actually embraced the whole surprise thing. Some, some of you don't and aren't in that, but we embraced it. And so um, we didn't ever try to look or be, you know, try, to, try to shake gifts or anything like that. And we would run through this, and we'd like close our eyes, like run into walls and stuff. But we would try to get over to my mom's room to wake her up so we could all then go and see what all we had together. Well, that particular Christmas, I was probably eight or nine years old, and it was, um, any other 80s folks here know that there was a season of um, scooters were really popular. And these are scooters, probably like most of you guys don't know. Um, they were like, if you could picture like a BMX bike, like a BMX bicycle that was somehow now shrunk into a scooter that you like, you know, pushed along like this. And it was all the rage. And I lived in San Diego, Southern California, 1980s. Everyone's looking for some kind of neon bright scooter. And, and this was like the year that they came out. I was longing for one of those. And I came out around the corner and we, that's when we saw like our big gift. And I kind of was like, and I'm sure I didn't show, but I was like, oh, a scooter, that scooter. It wasn't the BMX style scooter. In fact, I've never still to this day seen another of the kind of scooter I got. Mine had four wheels. Everyone else had two wheels on their scooters and mine had four. And uh, my scooter also did not look like a BMX bike, which was so cool. And um, if any ever seen the movie Rad, BMX, okay, you guys don't know, even know what I'm talking about right now. Juan, maybe, we're in there together. But, um, you know, BMX bikes and this whole, it was just, that's just the image. And I got this thing that didn't have the handlebars like that. It had like a T-bar, it had four wheels. And I was just like, oh man, that's not what I was expecting. That's not what I meant. That's not what I was hoping for. And of course, right, like kids do, we all went out and we played in the neighborhood and we all compared our stuff. Everyone else had a scooter, neon scooter, and was, you know, you know, jumping off curbs and things like that. And of course, I'm there like on mine with like four wheels going. Well, let me just tell you, it didn't take long though for me to learn that my scooter was actually legit. It was different. It was set apart. It was better. 
Yeah, at first I was let down. Everyone else's was the same. It looked cool. It did the same thing. But eventually we learned, right, because we would just cruise around the neighborhood. We learned that my scooter did stuff that no one else's did. All right, I had brakes on mine that did this stuff. It could also, you could like turn, you could really lean really hard. And we had all these cul-de-sacs. So you could like be flying down a hill and then go into a cul-de-sac and just like turn like this. And you could like, all, it was crazy. And sometimes we crashed, but eventually everyone's like, I want to try that one. And I had the pick of the litter, right? I'd be like, I want to use yours. Yeah, we could swap right now. And you know, I, I had something, but at first I was let down. I was disappointed. I was expecting one thing and I got another. And as we've talked about and as we need to recognize, because we can take this Christmas story for granted. We can be like, oh yeah, a little, you know, baby born in a manger to Mary. But people were not expecting God's kingdom to come in the way that it did. It was mind-blowing and if we're honest, disappointing. There was a sense of what are you doing? And so first, as we look at Jesus's kingdom is different. And we need to acknowledge that because again, what happens in church culture tends to do this. We, we try to squeeze Jesus into our understanding of the way world should be. Oh, I know what joy should look like. Let me squeeze Jesus in this way of life that is called Christianity into uh, joy. And then all of a sudden there's a collision. And I just think, well, God isn't the source of joy. He's, he's let me down. But as we read earlier, as Izzy read in John chapter 18, Jesus says his kingdom is different, right? He says in verse 36, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not of this world. Okay, Jesus was talking to Pilate right there. He was the authority and he was standing before Pilate and Pilate was questioning Jesus. And Jesus had just referred to himself as a king. And here he is with this guy who thinks he has all the power in that land. And Jesus is like, no, 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 I, I'm a king and I have a kingdom. And he's getting questioned. He kind of turns it on him. He says, well, you don't understand because my kingdom is not of this world. And everything in me longs for Jesus to have done it differently. I don't know about you, but for me, when someone like puffs up and bows up and you could put them in check, I long for people to get put in check. All right. I, if like, I love underdog stories, yes, cause I'm short and you know, Napoleon complex and all that stuff. But also just, I love when somebody comes out, when the bully is all puffed up and then gets put in check. There was this guy that went to South Point here. I didn't even plan on telling this. If you guys know South Point, Catholic school. His name was Nick Frost. Um, and he was a rug, rug, rug wrestler. And he looked so nerdy. All right. I can't even tell you how ner nerdy this guy looked. He's one of the best rug wrestlers in Arizona state history. All four years, freshman through senior, he won state. He crushed everyone. And he'd seriously come out with like odd socks on and his hair always sticking up. And he wasn't trying to be cool. And I rung ironic. He just, no one took him seriously. Eventually, after he won his first state championship, they did. But I just remember watching, thankfully, he was a weight class below me, so I never had to go there. But, um, but, but just people would just see all these jacked, buffed out dudes just seeing him and like kind of not even taking him seriously. And he always just surprised them. I wish Jesus would have done that. Like at some moment, as Jack mentioned, when he's hanging on the cross, like, 
okay, now, now's the time. All right, boom, like double flip off the cross, you know, get in a stance, just, just do it, put people in their place. But that's not what he does. And we're not alone. It's not only his enemies who misunderstood him, his own disciple, Peter, in Matthew 26, all the different accounts have this, but Matthew 26 talks about where Jesus, um, where all the guards come to arrest Jesus in the garden. And they say, we're looking for Jesus. And Jesus says, I am he. And they fall over. These guards, they fall over. Okay, so, and then he kind of calls them out on that question that they stand up, they go to, they go to take him and his friend, Peter, pulls out a sword. He just happened to have it on him, right? He pulls out a sword and cuts off the high priest guard's ear. And then Jesus is like, what are you doing? It's like, he like looks at him. He's like, what are you doing? The guy's like sitting there like bleeding. But Jesus tells him, listen, you don't, you don't know, you still don't understand me. If I wanted to, I could call legions of angels. That's thousands of angels of warriors of fire, of light, all these people would mess themselves in their tunics, all right? They would, they would look foolish right now if even one of these angels, much less thousands, if I, Jesus is like, if I wanted to, I could do this differently. But my kingdom is different. And the way Jesus is ushering in his kingdom is altogether different. He talked about it. We talked about it last week that people thought that he would come and wield a sword and take over his throne. And when he talked about dying, about being crucified, about being self-sacrificing, his own followers tried to re rebuke him. Peter took him aside and was like, no, 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 Jesus, you're, you're, you're wrong here. Don't talk like that, All right? We, we don't get it. And, and we need to acknowledge and recognize that our nature, because we're so used to focusing on ourselves, because we're so used to worlds revolving around us, we miss Jesus. We don't see him. But we need to acknowledge and recognize that his kingdom is different. But he knows best. And then this next one is that his kingdom is good. In Matthew chapter 11, uh, or I'm sorry, chapter 5, Five, six, and seven is the Sermon on the Mount. And we actually did a sermon series a number of years ago that I love this Sermon on the Mount. It's so good. It's so shaping. It's the longest recorded, you know, cohesive sermon that Jesus gives. And he just tells, this is what my kingdom looks like. It's like he gives a manifesto. It's like Jesus stands up and says, listen, this is what the kingdom is all about. This is what the kingdom looks like. You think the world should be this way, but it's actually this way. I'll just read some of it. Matthew chapter five. And Jesus, seeing the crowds, went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. He goes on, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers. He says all these things. Now that word blessed, right? We think it's like what you say when somebody sneezes or, you know, something like that. Well, no, blessed is like the good life. Okay. This is, this is like 
Fortune 500. This is whatever m- m- magazine website you go to, whatever. This is, you know, GQ magazine. You want to be your best self. You want to turn heads. This is how you do it. You want to have the life that you always long to have. This is how you do it. Well, that word blessed is what that entailed. You want the, the best in life, the way life is meant to be enjoyed and lived and thrived. This is how you do it. But then Jesus says some stuff that, again, is counterintuitive. It's different. It's blessed are you if you're poor in spirit, right? What that means, we would say, no, you're blessed, you're happy, you're good, you're satisfied if you don't need anybody. But Jesus says, no, you're you're actually blessed if you have deep spiritual relational needs, right? Here it says, blessed are the meek. That's not weak. That's earlier what Jesus said to Peter. That word meek is, I could wreck you. I have all this power, but I'm withholding it, right? But no, in our world, it's, oh, you're, the good life is when you have power and you use it to protect you and yours. Hey, but Jesus says it's altogether different. He says, this is the good life. This is where true life is found. And, and we don't see that as good, Right Again, if we're honest with ourselves and we read these things, we don't see, oh, that's good. Yeah, you're right, Jesus. Let me be poor. Let me be needy. Let me be persecuted. Let me be misunderstood. Let me extend grace or mercy or kindness toward other people when they don't extend it toward me. That sounds like a really good life. If we're honest with ourselves, it sounds like Jesus is taking crazy pills. <laughs> right? It's like Jesus is walking around on his head. It's like, oh, Jesus, I think you meant, oh, it's opposite day. You meant the opposite of everything you said. But, but no, his message, the gospel, his kingdom is to reveal, no, we're the ones walking on our heads. We're the ones walking through, stumbling through life, thinking, I know where true life will be found. Once I finally get financial freedom and I have all the money I can acquire and I, and I circle my life around these things and I'm in control, once I have relationships just the way I want them to be and they all serve me and I don't need anyone else that much, but they all come back on me. Once I have all these things, then life will be good. But how's that working out? Like if we're, again, honest, we're actually walking away from God. All of us, our whole approach to life, our whole kingdom perspective is thanks, but no thanks, God, is not God, but me, not your kingdom, but my kingdom. That's what the, what the Bible calls idolatry. It's finding our purpose, our identity, our hope, centering our world around anything or anyone other than Jesus. It's consumerism in our day. If I have more goods, if I have more stuff, I'll be happier. I circle my life around that, my calendar. In February, I start looking ahead to Christmas next year. What can I get then that will satisfy me? Because what I got this just a couple months ago didn't. It's also experiences relationships. We consume everything. It's not just good relationships, experiences, whatever it is. It's, and, and John Calvin said, the human heart is an idol factory. He said, we just, we look for stuff. We constantly find ourselves looking for other things to satisfy us. But there's a saying that false gods never fail to fail. 
They always fail. Again, are we, have, we, have, have any of us ever seen something else satisfying? Have we ever seen, oh, that person who gave their lives to the pursuit of goods, of, 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 uh, of, of, of pleasure, of, of them being in control, it's, it's never happened, and yet we deceive ourselves and think it is. But Jesus knows better. He is good. He knows what we need. He knows that we need to turn to him, to find life in him, to participate in his kingdom. And that's why he comes and he ushers it in. But again, we need to acknowledge, we naturally resist it being about him. We want to squeeze him into our version. And that will never work. It will never fail to fail. We will constantly be left unsatisfied and frustrated. And his kingdom is also forever. In this, um, in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, again, in, in Matthew, um, in the next chapter, in chapter six, Jesus is talking and he's building on this theme of his kingdom and the satisfaction that comes in trusting him and following him and knowing him. And he, he further explains this whole idea of, listen, idols, anything else that you want to give your life to will eventually fail you. It will eventually fall apart in some way. In Matthew chapter six, Verse 19 through 21, this is what Jesus says. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is will be also. What you circle your life around, what you give yourself to, where you find your security, identity, pleasure, joy, purpose, that's where you'll ultimately find your satisfaction, your hope, your trust. And if it's in anything or anyone other than Jesus, it will ultimately fail. Moths will destroy. Rust, right, will make it fall apart. Somebody can steal it, not just physical stuff. Again, as Izzy and Jack shared earlier, I love that they talked about, listen, hopes. Man, we've talked about our own story, my wife and I walking through infertility and difficult pregnancies. Those are like children are a blessing, are a gift. But I, and, and I say this as a dad who loves his children. If my healthy family is the ultimate source of my joy, my hope. Um, that's a really scary life. That's a house of cards that could come crumbling down at any moment. But Jesus and his kingdom is forever. That's actually what we'll look at next week is the forever reality of his kingdom. But now I want to help us land the plane. I want this to go from the classroom to our living room. Again, church, what does it look like for Jesus's kingdom to actually penetrate our hearts and shape our lives? His kingdom is different. It's good. It's forever. And it's for you. It's for you and me. It's not just for our intellect. It's not just for Christmas and Easter. 
It's actually meant to shape our lives, to be the, the orienting, driving realities of everything we do, every relationship we have, how we view ourselves, how we relate with God, how we relate during, during times of trial and sadness and difficulty. It's for you. Jesus came to pave a way for you and I to participate in his kingdom with him forever. Let me read this passage from 1 Peter chapter, um, chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable. Again, it is lasting, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. His kingdom is good. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. His kingdom is for you and for me. How do we participate in his kingdom? Well, as he said in Mark chapter one, repent and believe. His kingdom is at hand. His kingdom is near. His kingdom is among us. It's not just, hear me now. It's not just one day we'll get to be Christians and we'll get to get zapped up to heaven and fly around in diapers with wings and harps and just kind of out someday out there. When Jesus said, my kingdom is here, we talked about this last week, it's among you. It's meant to shape your life now. It's meant to inform your struggles and your difficulties and your hopes and your relational discord and your inner turmoil. It's meant for that now. Well, how does that happen? Repent and believe. The word repent means a 180. Again, outside of God's intervention, because of what the Bible calls sin, we individually and corporately have all said, no, God, you don't know what's best. I know what's best. You don't know where life is found. I know where life is found. My education, my relationships, my physical strength, my health, my power, my ideas, my dreams, my own. And then repentance is acknowledging, sometimes through God's severe mercy, recognizing this has never failed to fail. And then through God's intervention, opening our eyes and our ears to his good news, repentance is turning. Lord, not my will, but your will. Not my ways, but your ways. Not my definition of how relationships ought to be done, but yours. Not my definition of, of sexuality, but, but yours. Not my definition and understanding of pleasure, but yours. Repentance is this way, but now I surrender all. I, I turn to you. And belief is trust. Repent and trust. Turn and surrender to him. So how do we close right now? What do we do? If you would say, I am a Christian, I have repented, I've put my faith in Jesus, then I want to encourage you to also acknowledge where in my life, where today, where in this season do I need to continue live a life of continual repentance? Where am I looking elsewhere? Where, where did I not even understand that, that, that I, have, I have lived a life according to my kingdom and, and, and I'm gonna receive the blessing, the good news of, of his kingdom? 
repent. We can all repent. We can all recognize where we have gone astray and then turn and follow and trust him. And perhaps you are online, outside, here in this room, and you say, I, I, I acknowledge. Is this the moment that you acknowledge you've been running this way, but now God is revealing himself to you and calling you to himself, saying, turn, believe in me, and trust your life to me. Put your faith in me. And now as we prepare to respond, I'm going to read a quote. And actually, Dominic Smith, who's leading our worship time, um, sent out a little email to everyone on the worship team. And I just thought it was so helpful in, in shaping our hearts. I thought it would be a good thing for us to continue in in our time of response now. So let me read what he wrote. Your kingdom come, it is his, is the big idea this week. And what I found pressing when considering this headline is how often I pray your kingdom come, but expecting his kingdom to come in a way that most suits my wants and my qualms. Would the Lord soften our hearts to his ways, remind us of his grace and goodness, and usher us into a space where we rejoice to be a part of his will. He is good. He alone can bring us peace. And he's calling us, inviting us to be a part of his kingdom. Let's pray. Again, Father, we need you. And um, Lord, I don't know um, where everyone is, I don't know where those who are online right now are. Lord, I don't know where all of us who come here in different places and different ideas, um, but Lord, you do. You know where we need to repent. You know where we've looked for love and hope and peace in all the wrong places. And, and I pray that by your spirit, you will call us to yourself. Lord, I pray we will see the good news, the goodness of your kingdom of surrendering to you, of trusting you, of, of being so secured in you that whatever happens, whatever our circumstance, whatever our context, that we are secure, we are able to have hope, we're able to have peace that will be everlasting through faith in Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.